Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. A man ended up shooting at over five other hunters on a hunting trip. Was it self-defense? Was it a racial incident? Or was it all simply a rampage? Chai Sua Vang is a family man, the father of seven lovely children. He also acted as a shaman for his family, and was an avid hunting enthusiast as a hobby. He was working as a truck driver to support his family. He was living near Minneapolis, Minnesota. However, he wasn't originally from the United States. Vang's father had actually lived in Laos and served in a Laotian civil war. This particular war was funded and organized by the CIA. Throughout that war, the CIA would recruit Hmong people living in Laos to disrupt supply lines that went from Laos to Vietnam in order to help out with the Vietnam War. After the U.S. left Laos in 1972, the Hmong people were ordered to be exterminated for allying with the U.S. during the war. Because of this, many of them relocated to the U.S., including Vang and his siblings. By 1980, they ended up settling in California, in Sacramento. Vang also ended up enlisting in the California National Guard, and around the year 2000, he made the decision to move himself and his family out to Minneapolis, Minnesota. After a few years, they moved to a smaller city nearby called St. Paul. It sounds like he's doing pretty well for himself by this point. Well, maybe on a surface level. But upon closer inspection, it was around this time that both the Minneapolis and St. Paul police departments had to respond to multiple domestic violence calls at the Vang household. On Christmas Eve back in 2001, the police responded to a particularly concerning 911 call from the Vang residence. An argument apparently began when Vang decided that he wanted to leave the house that night and his wife did not want him to go. Vang's daughter heard the argument and ran out of her room to see her father brandishing a gun. Police arrived and arrested Vang on the spot, but charges were never actually filed because his wife refused to cooperate with the investigators. A few months later though, his wife ended up splitting up with him and taking herself and the five kids to live with her parents in Milwaukee. Vang was able to remarry, but his second marriage also ended after his wife lost $3,000 while gambling and he nearly choked her to death. Now let's move forward to the year 2004. Vang is now 36 years old, and needless to say, at this point in his life, he's not doing too fantastic. He's mainly driven away most of his loved ones, and he has a steadily growing list of violent incidents on his record. One chilly November weekend, Vang decided to go out on a deer hunting trip with two of his friends and their two sons. They were up in northwest Wisconsin, east of Birchwood, around a town called Meteor. It was a region of the state known for being a pretty popular deer hunting spot. A lot of the area is sparsely populated, leaving a lot of natural forest area. A lot of the land that is used for hunting is a good mixture of public and private, with the boundary between the two being somewhat complicated at times. It is thought that Vang and his friends were having a bit of an issue with this, as it is believed that they started their trip on public land but ended up wandering into a smaller private area. Sunday, on the weekend of this hunting trip, Vang himself wandered onto the private land. On this private land was a cabin in which a hunting party of about 15 people were staying. 
One member of the group, a man named Terry Willers, left the cabin to see that Vang was sitting up in his deer stand, something he immediately noticed as strange, as you wouldn't commonly use someone else's deer stand without permission. He pulled up a handheld radio and called the people back at the cabin to ask them if anyone should be up in the stand. Upon getting a negative answer from the crew, he approached Vang and called him out. He told him to leave as this was private property, and cordially enough, Vang apologized and climbed down. He asked for directions back to the public area. After receiving them, he left the area, heading south towards a trail. One member of the hunting party, Bob, got back on the radio and asked Terry what ended up happening with the guy in the deer stand. Terry responded, uh, he's heading south down on the footplot right now. At that point, about five of the hunters from the cabin who heard the original message arrived at the tree stand. One of them, Lauren Hesbeck, said that Bob wanted to make sure that the guy knew that this was private property and that he's not welcome here. Another man, Denny, stated that he knew this was going to be interesting and just wanted to see what was going on, assuming it was just going to be some crazy guy forced off of the property. Then they all hopped onto ATVs. Now this is where the following events are somewhat murky and disputed upon between the witnesses. Following the directions given by Terry earlier, the group on the ATVs searched for Bang down the road and ended up finding him further down the trail. Upon confronting him, Bob then suggested that they make a note of his hunting license so they could report him to the DNR later, which they were able to see by flipping over the hunting tag on Vang's back, which revealed his license number. According to Vang himself, Terry Willers and his friends arrived and an angry verbal confrontation ensued, in which they made threats to report him to the game wardens for trespassing. This confrontation escalated to an extreme degree. In fact, it very quickly became extremely violent. Vang kneeled down, pulled up his rifle, and aimed at Terry, making a point to shoot at him first as he was clearly armed. The first shot towards Terry ended up missing him as he ran over to find cover. He dove down, accidentally landing on top of his rifle. He couldn't turn over and grab it before Vang's next shot came, hitting him in his lower left neck and paralyzing him. Vang then turned towards the men on their ATVs and shot Royt who fell to the ground instantly. He then shot Denny as Bob started to flee, and then shot three more times at close range as he chased Lauren around another ATV. The third shot hit him, and he fell to the ground, stunned, and stayed still. As he assumed he had killed Lauren, he then started chasing after Bob once again. He was an easy target as his bright orange coat made him stick out among the forest. Bob radioed the cabin once again, telling them to bring guns this time. Vang shot again, missing. However, upon failing, he fired a second time, hitting Bob in the chest, killing him instantly. Terry, finally regaining some feeling in his hands, called the cabin for help. By the time that call was being made, Vang was chasing Joey Croteau down a trail. Vang ended up splitting through a wooded area to catch up to Joey and get up closer where he aimed up and shot him in the lower back. Despite this, Joey kept moving. Vang started approaching him while reloading and shot at him once again. He then came up on him, shooting him twice more in the back, and then one more final time in the head. Hearing an ATV approaching, Vang then turned his orange jacket inside out to its camo side and hid near a turn on the trail. 
Thinking that two of the others, Jessica Willers and Alan Lasky, were likely other members of the cabin who were now armed and looking for him, Vang decided to lie in wait. He bid his time and waited until they passed by. Once they were in front of him, he poked out and fired. This bullet went through Jessica's lower half and straight through into Alan's lower half, shattering his lower spine. Vang then ran over, shot Alan Lasky through the heart, from behind, and finished him. He then stepped over to Jessica and shot her through the neck, which proved to be fatal. Vang went back to where he originally dropped his scope so he could retrieve it and finally get out of there. He assumed he had already killed all of the witnesses, but as soon as he got to Lauren, he realized he was still alive. Telling him, you're not dead yet? He raised his rifle. As he shot, Lauren grabbed Terry's rifle and got behind cover. Multiple shots zipped past his head. Lauren Hesbeck had received a wound in his arm before. Being unable to properly aim because of this left arm, he had trouble operating the rifle, but he did his best to shoot back. However, he came to find that the safety was still engaged. He pulled it back to himself, where he tried to switch it off, and finally succeeded. He held it up and fired one more time, this time being able to fire. He then heard a metallic cling coming from Vang's rifle and realized that he was now out of ammo. Vang then took off, fleeing on foot, discarding his remaining bullets as he left instead of reloading, likely believing that he didn't have any time to do so. He later stated that it was simply because he didn't want to shoot anyone else. After alternating between running and hiding, he came across an unrelated hunter on an ATV who offered him a ride, taking him back to his own cabin. Once he arrived back at his cabin, about five hours after the incident, Vang was promptly arrested. An officer had already been there, waiting for him. He was then placed into custody and swiftly transported to Sawyer County Jail, with a bail set at a whopping $2.5 million. All in all, four people were dead. Bob Croteau had died from a shot to the back. His son, Joey Croteau, died from four shots to the back. Alan Lasky had also been shot in the back four times. Jessica Willers was, get ready, shot in the back, twice. However, the count didn't stay at four. Denny Drew was shot in the stomach and had originally survived, but he was critically wounded. He later passed away at the hospital. Terry Willers survived his shot to the neck, along with Lauren Hesbeck and one other hunter who had all survived their injuries. Unfortunately, when it came down to what exactly went wrong that day, there were multiple conflicting statements. Vang stated that Terry Willers had shot at him first, implying that his resulting rampage was all done in self-defense. If I didn't shoot him, he would shoot me, he said. No shell casing was ever found from Terry's gun that could have corroborated this. Lauren Hasbeck admitted to firing a single shot later when he had been using the rifle, but stated that no shot had been fired prior to this. Additional analysis of the gun was never performed. The only thing that Vang and Lauren actually agreed on was that Vang had removed his scope before ever firing his first shot. Vang further went on to say that he felt racism was a major factor in the dispute. He alleged that, during the initial confrontation, some of the hunters shouted out racial slurs against Asians towards him. Regardless of whether or not this statement is true, due to this case, there was a notable rise in anti-Mong hate crimes after this incident. 
Chai Vang's trial began on September 10th of 2005, a Saturday, at the Sawyer County Courthouse in Hayward. Due to the level of media publicity surrounding the case in the local area, it was decided that 12 jurors and two alternates would be bussed in from Dale County, an area about 280 kilometers away, feeling that they would be more impartial to the case. Vang testified that he fired completely in self-defense after one hunter shouted racial slurs and profanities at him while another fired a gun at him. Both Terry Willers and Lauren Hesbeck testified that nobody in their group ever once pointed a gun at Vang before he started shooting at them. They went on to say that only one shot was ever even fired at Vang, by Lauren using Terry's gun, and it was well after Vang had already started shooting at them and it was very clear that their lives were in danger. On the stand, Lauren did, however, admit that Bob Croteau had actually called Vang a mong asshole and a chink during their initial confrontation, something which gave credence to Vang's testimony. Lauren had previously told Bob that he had problems with mong hunters coming to Wisconsin from Minnesota, trespassing onto his land to hunt. They also called Vang a mud duck, which isn't a racial term and is just used to refer to people from Minnesota. This term was detailed specifically because it is apparently the first term that Terry Willers used to refer to Vang when he called the others over the radio. The defense argued that it was used in a racial sense because he had no way of immediately knowing that Vang was from Minnesota. Apparently Minnesota has a much higher population of Hmong people than Wisconsin does, so this is something that they felt would have been immediately apparent. Vang went on to testify that he had feared for his life and began firing only after another hunter shot towards him and nearly hit him. He then went on to detail how each different hunter approached him and how he responded by shooting at each and every one. He stated that he shot two of them in the back because they were disrespectful. He clearly recounted how he ended each of the victims. Right after saying that he had wished it wasn't happening, he went on to say that he felt that they deserved to die. The attorney general asked, did Mr. Coteau deserve to die? To which Vang responded simply, yes. He added that this was because, quote, he accused me of giving him the finger and tried to cut in front of me to stop me from leaving. He further stated that Alan Lasky deserved to die because he had a gun. Vang even reenacted his actions while on stand, using his hands to imitate the motion of the gun that he used. Vang's lawyers commented that many of these seemingly rude and abnormal remarks were simply due to a language barrier. Finally, Vang addressed the families of the victims, saying, I understand your anger, your frustration, your grief, but nothing more, failing to actually apologize. The attorney general aimed to get the absolute maximum sentence possible for Vang. She argued that she absolutely believed he would kill again if he weren't locked up for the rest of his life. She felt that he had a complete lack of remorse or regret and that he had what was obviously an explosive temper. Given that the criminal complaint clearly stated that Vang had shot all four victims in the back and that Vang himself had partially even admitted to this on the stand, it wasn't hard for the prosecution to argue that this was not self-defense. On September the 16th, not even a full week later, Chai was found guilty on six of the charges of first-degree intentional homicide and three charges of attempted homicide. Two months later, on November 8th, he was sentenced to six consecutively running life sentences, plus an extra 70 years for the attempted murders, and each count of what was labeled as first-degree. 
all without parole. He lucked out in the fact that, at the time, Wisconsin was one of the few states that did not have a death penalty. The judge stated that Vang was a time bomb ready to go off, going on to say that these crimes are not isolated acts, but a pattern of antisocial conduct. A memorial was built in nearby Rice Lake in order to honor the six victims. Once again, this has been your host, Kyle. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast episode. Feel free to look through my huge library of other stories if you found this one interesting, and be sure to be there for the next stories that come out each and every week. Have a good night.